Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's episode is called, Why Jesus? And it is for those of you who are on the fence about this whole Christianity thing. You've kind of contemplated it, you've, you know, looked into it a little bit, and you're just not sure it's for you. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. I'm gonna give you three reasons why going with Jesus is a pretty decent bet. I say that very tongue-in-cheek because it's the best bet. And I'm going to give you some quotes from Jesus himself. And um, hopefully with the prompting of the Holy Spirit, this will be one more thing that really helps you to believe that Jesus is the best option and really the only option. So first of all, I think it's important that you realize that there are two forces that are at work in this world. One is God and one is Satan. We're um, told that Satan was a created being. He was an angel who rebelled against God. And now his mission is to take as many people with him to hell as possible. So he's going to spend eternity in hell away from God. And, you know, he wants to fill hell up. So we're told in Revelation 12, 9, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So we need to know that God, on the one hand, created the world. He created human beings and he has created heaven and he wants us to be with him in heaven for eternity. And on the other side, there's Satan. And he knows he's going to hell. And he wants everyone, as many people as possible, to be with him in hell for eternity. In fact, we're told in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So how does Satan keep us from coming to Christ? Well, he makes Christianity seem stupid. It seems pretty foolish. All this nonsense about a cross and saving people, he he just makes it sound stupid. He distracts us. You know, we think, well, we'll get around to it someday. We'll take that Christianity seriously someday. And Satan is going to work as hard as possible to make sure that that day never comes. Or how about he muddies the message? You know, there are so many denominations that call themselves Christian. 
And some of them say, yes, Jesus, but you also need X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z are so hard. Or they take a lot of time and energy. And some denominations say, well, yeah, there's parts of the Bible that are true. But, you know, there's a lot that isn't true. So you can just ignore it. And then the message just gets muddied and we're not sure what to believe. And then there's some denominations that say, you know, the answer is really you. You are the answer. But we're going to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in it. So believe in yourself. Oh, and if you want to believe in Jesus, that's okay too. But you are really the answer. And Satan is going to work to muddy that message as much as possible because he doesn't want you to believe in Jesus as your Savior. So why Jesus? Well, first of all, because he loves you more than anybody else ever will. Have you ever been in a really rotten relationship? I mean, it started out good and you thought that this was really, really going to be it, but then it ended really, 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 really badly. (laughs) Well, who hasn't, right? Um, Yeah, Jesus isn't going to leave you. That's just not in his DNA. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will be with you always to the very ends of the age. I will be with you wherever you go. You cannot go somewhere that I will not be with you. And that includes walking away from him. We can walk away from Jesus, but you know what he said? He said, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off in the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Jesus is willing to go after you if that's what needs to be done. He'll leave the rest of the flock. He'll search you out. He'll find you. He'll provide everything you need. He'll bring you back. That's love. But let me tell you what else is love. Jesus left the perfection of heaven where he was adored and praised by the angels to come to earth to live a lowly life. He submitted to human authority, flawed human authority. Imagine being all-powerful in heaven and then submitting to be raised by human parents and submitted to being uh, brought up in the temple that was, you know, his father's house, and yet it was ruled by people who didn't really know anything about his father. Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to give it all up in order to pay the price that justice demanded, in order to say to Satan, you know what? Those people don't owe you anything because I paid for them. They couldn't live a perfect life. They couldn't keep the law perfectly. They kept falling in sin. Guess what? I came so I could live perfectly, so I could present myself as their sacrifice, so that I can say bought and paid for with my blood, and I can take them to be with me in heaven. 
We're told in Romans 5, 7, and 8, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus knew that we are hopelessly unable to do it on our own. And he didn't wait for us to get good enough. (laughs) Been there, done that. It's not going to happen. We didn't have anything to attract Jesus to us. And that wasn't a problem. Because he loved us enough that he sacrificed himself anyway. So number one reason why Jesus is worth believing in is because he loves us. Number two, he is truth. I don't know about you, but I get really frustrated at the changing messages. One day we're told, this is how the world works, and this is what you need to do to survive in it. And, you know, three or four or five weeks later, we're told, oh, just kidding. Nope, you don't really have to do that. And you know what? I guess that's not really true either. And never mind. Or somebody presents themselves as a certain kind of person. We think, oh, that that seems to be something I can really get behind. But then as time goes on, we realize that's not who they are at all. We've been manipulated. And sometimes it is so frustrating because truth is so hard to find. Jesus knew that. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're looking for truth, there is one place to find it, and that is in Jesus. When Jesus was before Pilate on the day of his death, um, we're told this. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. Don't you feel like Pilate at times? What is truth? But you know, Jesus said the whole reason that he came into the world was to testify to the truth. And how did he do that? Well, God had been promising things for thousands of years. And when Jesus came into the world, he fulfilled all of those things. He proved God to be true and trustworthy. If God promises something, he's going to make it happen. There are so many promises and prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus perfectly fulfilled. That's truth. If God says it, it's going to happen. What is truth? Jesus showed us what the kingdom of God really was. When he came to earth, the Pharisees had totally messed it up. They had 
hundreds of laws that you had to keep. And it was all about self-righteousness and look at me and here I am and I'm good enough to earn God's favor. And when Jesus came, he went, no way. This isn't it. You guys have messed this up. God's kingdom is nothing like this. God's kingdom is about humility and trusting in God for your salvation. And it's about me who came into the world to be your savior. That's what it's about. Has nothing to do with this pity little laws and watching how everybody lives and saying, you're not good enough, but look at me. Jesus brought truth to abysmal looking situation. Satan, Satan as God's prime enemy, is completely different. Jesus said, speaking about the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan's job is to twist the truth, to manipulate the truth, to lie and keep you from Jesus because he knows that if you believe in Jesus, he has no power over you. So Satan will do anything he can to twist the truth so to keep you from believing. And that brings us to reason number three, why believing in Jesus is a really good deal. Jesus is still on our side. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus, after his death, ascended into heaven. And what is he doing? He's preparing a place for us. But he's interceding on our behalf. He's been here. He knows what it was like living on earth. He wept at the grave of Lazarus when he felt the full sorrow of what death does. And now he's interceding. He's going on our behalf to the Father and asking the Father to help us. He's still on our side. What else has he done? Well, in Luke 16, we're told about the rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was a poor beggar who died and went to heaven. And the rich man, who seemingly had it all together in this world, or at least he had everything, so, you know, by the world standards, he was all that. Well, he died and went to hell. And when he was in hell, he said to um, Abraham, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus back back to earth, to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this point of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. What are Moses and the prophets? It's the word of God. Jesus gave us everything we need in the word of God, in the Bible. And listen to this. In John 1, we're told, 
in the beginning, the word was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then a few verses later, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. Did you catch that? The word is Jesus. When you open the Bible, you are meeting with Jesus. And the Bible is totally complete, just like Jesus. Jesus lacked nothing, knew everything, completing everything. He was all we need. And you know what? The Bible, it's complete. And it's everything we need in one place. Jesus made sure we had that. We have the word. And we have Jesus still interceding on our behalf. The three quotes from Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus said, look, I am life. You want to be with me in heaven? It's right here. All you have to do is believe in me. That's it. I am it. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is saying, you do not have to crave anything else. I am it. John 21, 25 says, Jesus did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. The Apostle John tells us Jesus did so much that we couldn't even write about it because we would have had to have been writing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pages of all that he did. And that's why I want to leave you with this one last quote from Jesus. A man came to Jesus, and you're going to see what happens, what unfolds. Um, he was desperate. And the, a large crowd was gathering around him. And um, <clears throat> Jesus went up to them and said, you know, what are you guys arguing about? And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving nation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. 
Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. That's from Mark 9. I want to leave you with that because the Apostle John told us, Look, Jesus did a lot. So much so that we can't even write. And this account shows us that Jesus has power over the devil. And not only that he has power over the devil, but he's willing to use that power on our behalf. He told the man whose faith was faltering because the man had been through so much. He said, anything is possible if you believe. What do you have to believe? Well, We have to believe that God is who he says he is, that he is the creator of the universe, that he is all-powerful, that he sent his son Jesus for our sakes to die on the cross in our place. And all we need is to believe that Jesus is who he said he was and died in our place and that he will take us to be with him in heaven. That's it. He has power over Satan. He has power over the demons. There are demons running loose all over this world, and they are fighting hard to keep us from faith. But Jesus loves us. He's the truth. He's still on our side. He's all-powerful. And he listens when we pray to him. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, please contact us at Time of Grace so we can put you in touch with some um, materials and help you um, look further into Jesus and what he's done for us. In the meantime, this has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Continue to pray for us as t- at Time of Grace as we seek to bring the word, the good news, to the ends of the earth. And if you're able, please send in your financial contribution to help us be able to do just that. <music>